There are fewer than 30 men in the world qualified to drive Formula One. A mere half dozen, perhaps, to win. At this moment, I'm inclined to think you're not one of them. Welcome to F1Weekly.com. My name is Clark Rogers. I'm the host of the program. I'll be joined by Nasser Hamid, my co-host. This is podcast number 1029, January 29th, 2024, Nasser. Thank you, sir. I say bye-bye, Barcelona. Hello, Madrid. Alpha Tauri to master the moment with Visa. Physico in Zanzibar. In the pollution studios, we have Smedley's baby. We shall explain gladly. Back to you, Mr. Super Bowl champion. Thank you, Nasser. On tonight's program, Penske Porsche wins the 24 hours at Daytona. Group of landowners suing Laguna Seca again. Mario Andretti not very happy with F1 and the FIA. In this week's interview, folks, it's a big one. You're not going to want to miss this one. We've got Felipe Massa with all the good stuff, you know, the potatoes, the meat. You're going to love it. And we have a young karting guru, as we call him, or a protege. His name is Liam Nachawati. Of course, from the karting world, Nasser will have all the small details. We also have another new segment, and we're just getting segments coming out of control here. This one is called Box, Box, Box by the original JB from Down Under. And just a reminder, we do need your contributions to keep this program on the air. Just click on the Support F1 Weekly tab. You know you want to. And I have good news, ladies and gentlemen. Go check out the merchandise page on the front page of the f1weekly.com website and we have now some posters of Dan Gurney, Bobby Unser, and your favorite Mario Andretti, $12.95, free shipping. This helps F1 Weekly stand in the black. Nasser, we had the 24 hours of Daytona. I know you loved every minute of it. You went to Penske. You were all over the place. Nath, I know you're tired, but man, you've got to have some good stories. Yes, sir. It was a busy time last week, and I made quite a few trips to Daytona International Speedway, but it turned out to be very productive. And I have to say, just like the people who work at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the folks at Daytona are also very helpful. It is always a pleasant experience going to racing events at these famous facilities. And my thanks to all the people who helped us uh, get these interviews. My thanks also and shout out to F1 Weekly familiar member, Greg Goditis, for his time. Meeting him at the Big D has now become an annual uh, tradition. How are preparations going on in the Rogers household for Super Bowl? question I have is, Will it be San Fran and Stella Artois whole nine yards? I have a new name for the Super Bowl. 
I'm calling it the Swift Bowl, and you know why. <laughs> well, it was exciting. It was exciting getting to the Super Bowl. I have to admit, the NFC Championship was a nail-biter. But in the end, they were taunting us, and the Niners finally said in the fourth quarter, let's get it done. It was awesome. Yeah, Brock Purdy, he's everybody's star. So yes, Super Bowl, we're going all the way. Very good, very good. Okay, sir, let's do a punt return to motor racing and what we live for, Formula One. And let's start with the name game. As we all know, Istanbul was Constantinople, Alpha Tauri was Toro Rosso, now they are Visa Cash App RB. What a beautiful name. All of a sudden, the name Stake F1 team is looking well done. Red Bull's B-team, or as I call it, the official slaughterhouse of their junior program, will show their legs in new livery in Las Vegas on February 8th. It's good to see another major U.S. corporation, based out of San Mateo, California, getting involved in global promotion of their products and services through the wonders of Formula One. And Mr. Rogers, you know, local San Jose newspaper used to run stories on the millionaires and billionaires and CEOs of the Valley. Once upon a time, they ran a story on the CEO of Visa, and it says that he's a big Harley fan and comes to work every day on his Harley-Davidson leather pants and leather jackets. So, California culture is a little different than the Ivy League culture of the East Coast. Now, how are you dressed up in the palatial studios? Sir, we're wearing Niner colors, getting ready for February 11th. And what's great about the Super Bowl, it comes out right when all the Formula One teams are unveiling their new cars. So there's just so much activity. And then, man, we had Monte Carlo. We had Daytona. I mean, it was too much. And Daytona was on television a lot. It was a good weekend, Nasser. That's good. As you know, there are millions and millions of Visa card holders around the world. Can you imagine the exposure Formula One and the team will get if they put the image of the car on each and every card they issue? I wonder how they feel back home again in Indiana. IndyCar is having a tough time developing a hybrid engine. It's getting delayed after delayed. Uh, forget about a third engine manufacturer. Now Honda is making noises about saying sayonara to the series. Let's hope Visa Cash App RB is followed by Merrill Lynch Mercedes or Payne Weber Williams. Or even better, and this is my favorite, E.F. Hutton Haas. When Gene speaks, Gunter goes. What say you, amigo, on the new Visa Cash App RB name? You know, we should have seen this coming. The app thing is huge. Everybody has to have 400 million apps on their apps. I'm not that excited about it. I'm sort of bummed out. I mean... Maybe we should ask Bob Dylan, can he come up with a song for Visa Cast App RB? Yeah, he's going to come up with something like All Along the Watchtower. But, you know, I'll tell you, they should have just gone by back to Toro Rosso, which was, people would love that and just call it, you know, Visa Toro Rosso. But I'm sure everybody has an opinion. But there's a lot of chatter on this. And according to Jensen Button, whatever the name is, good, bad, ugly, the good thing it's, it's getting people to talk. So I guess that's what marketing is all about. But I look, I'm getting the impression that we have a new regime um, at Red Bull, you know, because of Dietrich Mateschitz uh, passing away last year. So I get the impression that Red Bull 
is apparently serious to make Visa Cash App charged a success. Laura Marquise is coming to the team, or I should say coming back to the team from Ferrari to replace Franz Toss. News came in today that Alan Permain is also joining the team after being shown the door at Alpine. Yuki is part of the Honda package and will go with them to Aston Martin probably, meaning he's going to stay with them as long as Honda is there. Remains to be seen what Red Bull will do with Daniel Ricciardo, Sergio Perez and Liam Lawson. The juniors they have are not exactly performing or screaming to be the next Sebastian Vettel, let alone be Max Verstappen. Sir, another thing that's being talked about a lot, people are saying, wishing and hoping that Daniel Ricciardo will go back to Red Bull because Sergio Perez will not be able to perform and he will be released mid-season. Do you buy that uh, argument? No, I really don't. I don't think uh, Ricciardo is going to do a better job than Sergio Perez. Not only that, the scary move that that puts on Ricciardo is, what if he can't even do better than Perez? Then he's going to look like a third-rate driver. I'm telling you, be careful for what you wish for. I would not get into that piranha pool at Red Bull as long as Max is there. Because you have no chance. It's Max's team. It's going to be that way until Max gets pissed off at the FIA and the Formula One group and leaves and moves to Le Mans. Yes, yes. And the thing is, you know, like you said, if he goes there and he's doing worse than Sergio Perez, which is possible, okay, because he did not, there must have been a reason he was let go from uh, McLaren. If that happens, then they're going to treat him like this guy, Brendan Hartley, who was at Daytona, by the way. Your services are no longer required. Thanks, Mike. I don't think Daniel Ricciardo wants to. I think he sealed his own fate when he left Red Bull when they were winning races, and that was not a good idea. But these things happen, and we have to move on. And, sir, now we're going to move on to something very... I had to read this twice. I mean, I can understand a race in Angola because they have a lot of oil. Kazakhstan, they have a lot of oil. Bakersfield, California has a lot of oil. But this news item, Fisico in Zanzibar, according to a report on racefans.net, which I think is a pretty credible uh, website and I go there a lot, our favorite Giancarlo Fisichella is, cons- is a consultant on an effort to build a Formula One spec racetrack in Zanzibar, which is off the coast of Tanzania. And this has been confirmed by the Italian consulate in Tanzania. And you know, when Italian consulate is confirming something, it's like Il Duce saying, I'm invading Libya. You know what I'm talking? Very serious. I say here we go again with Chase Carey's destination city. Since the Grand Prix in DNB and Pooh went down the drains, let's try it in Zanzibar. Remember the song? Once there was a battle there In thousand people there In Maybe Formula One management can request Machine Gun Kelly to record a new song called In Zanzibar, In Zanzibar, with a cameo appearance by Martin Brundle. Oh dear, revenge can be very sweet. But wait, there's more, and this really got my attention. According to published reports, application has been made to trademark the name Chicago Grand Prix. And of course, this application is coming from Formula One management. The NASCAR street race last year in Chicago was a huge success. Looks like a Formula One race may be blowing in the windy city 
in the near future and maybe they can get uh, Bob Dylan to be the chief mar you know, marshal there. Four Formula One races in the United States, Buddha Bless Liberty Media, they sure have taken the bull by the horn and stampeding all over the globe and across the nation with some cool vibration and very high ticket prices. As for Pink Floyd, how can you have any pudding if you don't eat your meat? One of your favorites, right? Thank you very much. Look, the meat and potatoes on the American landscape is California, baby. If the race in Chicago happens, then FOM should do a Dave Brubach and take five in USA and bring a Grand Prix to the Golden State. That's what I'm talking about, Rogers. What say you about a Grand Prix in your backyard? Absolutely. We'll make the main straight the Golden Gate Bridge, Nasser. Great. Absolutely. Can you imagine if they bring, let me just tell you, if they bring the Grand Prix back to Long Beach, not to replace Indy cars, but as an added event, if that happens, Indy cars will not even know what hit them in SoCal. That's very true. Uh, Long Beach is still popular, but it was so popular during the Formula One years. People are still talking about it today. You know, once Formula One left, which I believe was 83 or 84, I think 83, it took IndyCars, and IndyCars was very popular in those days. It took them like four or five years before they were able to get up to the crowd that was coming for Formula One races. Okay, sir. Speaking of street race, shall we now do a Bentley box, box, box? Super idea, Nasser. And this is our mate from Australia, and I thank him for his uh, contribution. And I will see him soon in Albert Park. Thanks, mate. G'day from Australia. I'm Jason Bentley, the original JB. Reading the info for podcast number 1028 on the homepage about Benoldi being an Arrow driver reminded me that the Arrow's owner, Tom Walkinshaw, was a huge name in Australian motorsport during the 80s, 90s and 2000s. He had direct ties to the Australian General Motors Holden factory being the main team backed by Holden in the National Tin Top Series. Such was the support, there was a limited edition car made with his name to comply with rules for manufacturers in the Group A era of sedan racing. Tom Walkinshaw was a Scotsman who raced in UK and Europe in the 1960s and 70s, eventually setting up Tom Walkinshaw Racing, known as TWR. TWR's first trip to Australia was in 1984 when they brought a pair of mobile-backed rovers to compete in the Group A at the Bathurst 1000 at Mount Panorama. The following year, Tom returned, but this time with three V12 Jaguar XJS race cars, and he won for the first time at Mount Panorama. His Jaguar association peaked with the awesome and beautiful XJ220. A couple of years after winning the Mount Panorama race, Walkinshaw started his own Holden back team, the Holden Racing Team. The team went on to win Mount Panorama seven times in the 1990s and 2000s and six drivers' championships in the V8 Supercar Series. In 2002, trouble struck the Walkinshaw operation in Australia as it was caught up with the financial ramifications of the Arrows F1 team. In 2005, Walkinshaw returned to Australia and became involved with his old team, going on to give his drivers the V8 Championship in 2006 and 2007. The 2007 winner was Garth Tander, who's been a Skype guest of Nasir's back in the day. 
Also in 2007, Walkinshaw bought a 50% stake in his old team and went on to assume full ownership in 2008 and it became known as Walkinshaw Racing. Sadly, in 2010, we lost Tom Walkinshaw far too young at the age of 64. One of his sons, Ryan Walkinshaw, went on to resume management of the team, a role he maintains to this day. In 2017, on the eve of the Mount Panorama race, Walkinshaw Racing astounded the local Aussie fans by announcing they are bringing in two new partners from America, Andretti Autosport and United Autosports. United Autosports is owned by Zach Brown. The team would be known as Walkinshaw Andretti United. That partnership delivered a win in the Mount Panorama race in 2021. So often the wide geography of the world is intertwined by the great names and legacy of racing identities from across the globe. The dots join Benoldi to Walkinshaw to Australia to Jaguars to the XJ220 and the Le Mans across to Andretti and Zach, and Zach Brown. It's a small community in a big world. As Nasir always recommends, go on to YouTube and watch some of the glory days. History is a beautiful thing. Well, I'll catch you at a track. For now, I can hear my engineer, Dr. Hamid, in my headset shrieking, Bentley, box, box, box. Back to you, Nasser. Thank you, sir. Now we have more for men from Monaco at Maranello. And I don't know what this new trend in Formula One is. Scuderia, Ferrari and Charles Leclerc have extended their partnership. How long the contract has been extended for, they are not telling us. Gee, I wonder why. And Charles said, and I quote, To race for this team has been my dream since I was three years old. I used to watch the Monaco Grand Prix from the window of a friend's apartment at saint Devote corner, and I would always look out for the red cars, end quote. And you know, Mr. Rogers, he's looking, still looking for the red car, but this time a winning red car. He's having some difficulties. Do you think he will have see and have a winning car, red car this season? It's very possible. I mean, they're trying. We know he can do it. We've seen him win. Monza, Spa, where excitement was surrounding him. And it was impressive. So I think he needs to get back in form. And I think the Ferrari is going to be pretty quick this year. Come on. It's really last year's car with some improvements. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, it was not too long ago he had won two of the first three races and was leading the championship. Let's see what happens. Now, there is a lot of chatter about the future of his current teammate, Carlos Sainz Jr. I have a very strong feeling that he may not be at Ferrari for too long and he may go to Audi operation, especially if Ferrari does not give him what Fisico's manager was asking for, a winning car. But he has proven that he can take the fight to his teammate, Charles Leclerc. And you know, last year, he was the only Ferrari driver who won. Very impressive. And same contract extension for Lando Norris. The boy from Bristol has also extended his contract with Zach Brown's operation. And just like Ferrari, they're not telling us how long. But this has put rumors of him going to Red Bull at rest. Some people are saying he does not want to go into a fight with Max. Lando staying with McLaren did not surprise me, as who, in his right mind, would like to be teammate to Max, which is nothing but a guaranteed career suicide. Uh, sir, you think McLaren, I have a feeling McLaren will win races this season. How many? I don't know. What say you? Not sure. We'll see how it goes. I mean, they got to come out of the box pretty quick. 
And Max might stop that immediately with a little and a flick of his finger. So, hmm. It's going to be interesting. I mean, everybody wants to be quick. It's testing. We can't wait. But really, a lot of people are going to be watching McLaren, but everybody's on Lewis Hamilton and what's going to happen. Because they hold the key to, I don't know, how would you say it? Happiness in the world for for <laughs> I almost said Fernando. If LCH is happy, everybody's going to be happy. So it's going to be interesting. But McLaren, sure, will be competitive. I just... We just don't know how quick this 2024 Red Bull is going to be. That's where it all lies. I can't wait for testing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And even if all cars are equal, as we have discussed uh, before, advantage will be to the max factor. The guy is very quick, he's very aggressive, and he's got the youth on his side too, especially compared to Fernando and Lewis Hamilton. We will see. Okay, sir, Haas F1 new car will be launched or unveiled on February 2nd. With Gunter gone, they won't get much airtime on Netflix. And apparently, I've not read the details, but Netflix has announced when the new series will be on. Available on their network. Uh, but here is, this was interesting. Here is word of confidence for the drivers from the new boss man, Komatsu-san. He said, and I quote, The 2024 car is a clear step. But whether it is good enough against the competition to start off with, I don't believe so because we started so late. End quote. I say people get ready for another 10th place in the championship. And I have a message, trifle polite message for horse drivers. Attention Kmart shoppers, Hulk and KMAG. Blue light special, back of the bus operation on lane 10. Please proceed with caution. Sir, in your esteemed and humble opinion, any chance of Haas F1 finishing somewhere near the top five? <laughs> that would be pretty tough, especially with, well, look at AlphaTauri. You know, they're hiring. They're making some big steps. <sighs> it's going to be tough. And with Williams really making big steps and melding really well with our, our friend Albon. So, <sighs> yeah, I just don't see that kind of investment thrown at Haas. We'll see. I mean, I want Hulkenberg and Mag to do well, but there's so many question marks and so few answers. Here is the problem with Kevin Magnussen. He has not done as good as Nico Hulkenberg. So the question of the day is, do you think we will see? Look, no, nobody's going to take... I mean, Kevin Magnussen was on the podium in his Grand Prix debut. We all know that. But the way things have turned out, especially this season... Nobody's going to hire him as number one driver among the you know better teams. Do you think he will survive, that we will see him in 2025? No, I do not think so. There's young talent slowly coming in, and uh, no. I, and he's had a good run. I think he's been a lucky man. Yes, anytime you get to Formula One and get car back, you are extremely lucky. Okay, sir, now we go to Ferrari on Red Stewart program. I am sailing stormy waters to be near you, to be free. Scuderia goes sailing with Italian ocean racing yachtsman Giovanni Sordini as team principal. According to Ferrari chairman John Elkan, the new project would expand Ferrari's racing soul. I hope they get out of choppy waters they are in now in their day job, which is on track, not on water. So we'll see um, how it 
works out. So now we come to bye-bye to Barcelona or adios Barcelona. As my friend used to say, rumors are started by management. A Grand Prix coming to the Spanish capital has been in the news for a while. Just last week, Senor Sainz Senior was quoted as saying, it is not written in stone that Grand Prix should take place in one city forever. And he gave the example of Jerez de la Frontera. Now the gato is out of the bag. FIA has confirmed Madrid will host a Grand Prix near the IFEMA Exhibition Center from 2026 to including 2035. So that's a nice long run for the people of Madrid. Jose Luis Martinez Almeida is a senior who happens to be mayor of Madrid. He said, and I quote, The community of Madrid is a region with a great international projection, open, plural, and competitive and F1 will con contribute to further consolidate the Madrid brand among the best in Barcelona." End quote. Now the track will be 5.47 kilometer circuit, which is about mm, 3 miles I'm guessing, and it will feature 20 corners with a projected qualifying lap of 1 minute 32 seconds. It will be part street and part purpose-built circuit, and apparently it's very close to the Madrid Barajas International Airport. Uh, are you going to shed some uh, tears from your blue Spanish eyes for Barcelona losing the race to uh, Madrid? No, I think Madrid is going to be exciting. Barcelona still gets a lot of racing all year long for all sorts of clubs, bike, everything. Everything goes to Barcelona and, and testing is still at Barcelona. I mean, it happens, man. But boy, I bet you Fernando's excited. Yes, and also Carlos Sainz. But you know, there is no love lost uh, between the... Catalonians and the Spanish, uh, you know, political uh, situation going on there, and we don't want to get involved in that. So I think they're going to try every which way to have a second Grand Prix. But I mean, what are we talking here? 32 Grand Prix in one season. So, but I've been to the Spanish Grand Prix. Barcelona is a beautiful city. The track is very nice, easy to get to, and I know it get, gets a bad rap, no passing, but where do we see passing in Formula One these days? So, but, you know, nothing is forever. So we'll see. Now, just like in the United States, the Spanish Grand Prix has been around the block a few times. It has been held at a lot of places. Uh, Spain has a very rich history of Grand Prix motor racing going back almost 100 years. The first Formula One Spanish Grand Prix was in 1951, and Fangio was the winner for Alfa Romeo. And Mr. Rogers, before we take our union break, let's listen to young Liam Nashawati who is nine years old and doing a very good job in the world of karting. I've seen him race this year. I also saw him a few, few, uh, few times um, last year. Uh, he's a very good racing talent, and uh, he will hopefully move up pretty soon in the world of karting, and then in a few years we'll see him in single-seater. Uh, so I would like to thank his dad and him for his time, and this interview took place at the Miami Homestead Karting Track few weeks ago. Okay folks, I'm here with a young racing driver in go-karts. Young man, please tell us your name and hometown. My name is Liam Nachawadi and I live in Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. They say everything is big in Texas. Is that true? Yes. <laughs> Good. Okay, how old were you when you got the racing bug and how did you get interested in racing? I was seven years old when I first started like really getting into racing and um, I got into racing so 
My uncle had this like simulator and um, when I was like five and he let me use it sometimes and I was actually pretty good at it and then he told my dad about it and they bought a card together and it was kind of just from there on it was just like that. Okay great now your dad is a lawyer did you put a good case in front of him to let you go racing? <laughs> maybe maybe not. <laughs> but your mom and dad support you in your racing? Yes. Okay cool I've met your dad quite a few times and I've seen you race a few times since last year. Okay and you are now racing like on a regular basis. How long have you been doing that and did you do a lot of testing before started racing? I started racing when I was not oh, sorry seven years old and I my first year I was just racing in the class of kid cart but I didn't really have much practice before I hopped in the cart for my first race now you know when you are young and you go racing there are a lot of coaches and technicians and mechanics now what kind of a driver are you do you listen listen to driving coaches or do you prefer to go faster as per your racing lines and try to learn by mistakes I try to learn by, by mistakes but also I want to listen to my coach Juan okay that's good how many races did you do last year and what were your happiest moments where you were jumping with joy like Michael Schumacher used to do and what were not so happy moments last year I did it I did the USPKS series and Scusa I did a few regional races here and there. I did a few SSKC races, but um, my moment last year was um, Scusa Utah Pro Tour. Uh, I podiumed that race. Cincinnati, USPKS. I crashed out with my teammate, Grayson Walcott. That wasn't really the best moment for me. Okay, this is your second year in Micro Swift. I am sure winning the championship is your goal. Who do you see as your main challengers or who do you see as other quick drivers besides you? I think Zane Burgess is very quick here generally and quick everywhere, like he was in the Pro Tour. Elgara's quick, he's quick here, obviously, son of an IndyCar driver, so it's a lot to inherit, but yeah, that's my main competition really for this now, very important question. Are you as good in school as you are in racing on racing tracks? Um, I try to do my best in school. I my teacher sits on top of the class and um, I try to do my best. Is your best keeping mom and dad happy at school? Yeah, kind of, yeah. Kind of, I like that. Okay. Uh, what is your long-term goal? Formula One, IndyCars, NASCAR, uh, or monster trucks? Formula One. Formula One. We like Formula One also. What do you like about Formula One? I like how the the cars sound and how like they're going just 200 miles an hour and they still make the corner. <laughs> yes. And who is your favorite team? Team and your favorite driver. My favorite driver is Lewis Hamilton, and my favorite team is Mercedes. Okay. Any love for Max Verstappen? He's a good driver, but 
Still kind of feisty sometimes. You don't like feisty, you like cool, cool guys? Yeah. Okay, that's good. Okay, do you have any racing heroes or uh, drivers you want to be like when you get there? Lewis Hamilton and Lando Norris. That's good. Okay, you are from Dallas. Down the road there is a great Formula One track in Austin. Have you seen a Grand Prix there yet? Yes, I have actually. 2022 Austin I went to. Great race. And then 2021 Austin I also went to. Okay, great. And I thank you so much for your time. I wish you all the best. Do you have a message for our listeners? Can you tell them about your Instagram, your webpage, or however you want them to follow your young career? Follow my Facebook and my Instagram and uh, make sure to subscribe to my YouTube and um, I do have a website if you want to check that out. And Give us the website address, please. LiamNachawadi.com Yes. Okay, I will let our listeners know how to spell your name. Okay, thank you so much. Liam, thanks for joining F1Weekly.com and on that note, We have to follow union rules. We'll have to take a break. And we'll be back after these brief messages. Hi, I'm Felipe Massa. You are listening to F1 Weekly. Welcome back to F1Weekly.com. Clark Rogers here, your host. And now, as we spin the globe and go around the world with Motorsports Mondial and the king, the Swami himself, Nasser Hamid. Thank you, sir. And with the globalization of motorsports, we really have motorsports all year long, which is very good for mankind. So motorsports is back in action from Daytona Beach to the sands of Arabia and snow in the Monte Carlo Rally. But we shall start with a Formula One star, race-winning Ferrari driver. Felipe, baby, stay cool. We're bringing you the white visor. Stay cool. We're in a good position. Last week at Daytona, Felipe Baby kept us calm and carried on his conversation in a very friendly manner. Many thanks to Miss Megan Hedrick of Riley Motorsports to arrange this conversation, and many thanks to Felipe Massa also for his time. Please enjoy this conversation. Okay, folks, I'm here at Daytona with Felipe Massa. Felipe, good to see you, good to meet you. Uh, first of all, welcome to Daytona. What is your first impression of the place and especially the banking? Ah, it's very nice, you know, to be here. I always wanted to to do a, a race like that in my career, and this is the first time. So, uh, uh, I mean, as you know, I mean, I race in the open wheels for for a very long time, Formula One as well, and then Formula E, and then I decided to to stop my career, you know, with the open wheels and. Uh, I moved to Brazil, so I was racing stock car there, and uh, I never was like looking and trying to to find a team or uh, you know uh, to to race uh, or maybe Daytona or maybe Le Mans because I mean I'm happy you know to to be back home in Brazil, and um, but I was always planning maybe to do one race uh, you know uh, during the season or like doing for the first time at least to to just to, to see it, and I'm a big friend of Felipe Fraga. And uh, he's racing here in U.S. for for some time, and uh, he was racing with the LMP3 with the uh, uh, Riley, and uh, they moving to LMP2. 
now. And uh, he, he came to me to say, that, I mean, we, I'm racing for a very good team uh, because, I mean, they, are, they won many times. Daytona and championships, uh, the Riley team. And he said, I'm sure we can have a competitive car. So they, they are interested, you know, to have like a, also a driver like you. So what do you think? So I, that I think it was a good idea, you know, to, to do for the first time. Uh, here we are and uh, enjoying, you know, enjoying the moment. Uh, very good people also working for the team, a part of Felipe, Gar, Robson, that, uh, you know, is, is part of the, the team for a long time as well. I uh, was really happy to have me here. So at the end, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a good fun, you know, to be here. Speaking of retirement, after you retired from Formula One, what was your first uh, reaction when you got a call from Williams? Hey, come back. Well, it was uh, not a strange reaction because uh, nobody expected to have uh, to see Rosberg, you know, retiring his career after winning the championship. So at the end, it was. Uh, I expect maybe okay. So if uh, Rosberg is not racing anymore and they want, they sign also. They wanted to sign Bottas. So I, I was thinking um, maybe they will come to to ask me to, to stay and do another season so that it was actually what's happened and uh, it was fun I mean it was uh, it was great to do another season and uh, I was still very fit you know ready you know to keep racing and uh, was very competitive so then I decided to do another season now it looks like racing fever is back with you and Jensen what is it about motor racing that very successful drivers like yourself Jensen Schumacher they go away and then come back what brings you back you mean Formula One? No, no, into racing. Well, I never stop racing. So at the end, I mean, uh, uh, I stopped one after a long time in Formula One, but then I, I moved to Formula E, then I moved to the to Brazil, but I keep keep racing stock car. So at the end, I mean, I never stopped my career. You know, uh, it was stop for sure, important career of Formula One. But uh, I think when you when you have the, the love, you know, of racing. Uh, it's in the blood, so it's very difficult to to stop completely, you know. So I never I never did that in my life. So I never really retired properly for racing. So until I still have the the love, you know, uh, the motivation, the speed, then uh, uh, for sure I will keep doing. Now drivers from your country have had a lot of success in IndyCar racing. Any chance we might see you in the big uh, 500? No. No, it's the, my, my time on that uh, type of uh, situation is finished. So I think, uh, I, as I said, I may still keep racing, but uh, like uh, concentrate in Formula Indy or even uh, say, ah, Formula One team wants you back. No, it, I had the time. I had my time to, to do that. Your association with Ferrari is very interesting. You went from delivering pizza to Scuderia at Interlagos to riding a prancing horse at Maranello. Uh, please tell us uh, about your first interaction with the red team. Dream. Dream come true. So I was never really had in my mind the dream, you know, to be part of the Ferrari team. So I was always a, a massive fan of uh, Ferrari in my career. So, but like uh, the... The dream to be in Formula One was really far, you know, so I wanted to be a professional driver, but Formula One was like really far. And then the dream to be in Ferrari for a very long time, uh, maybe one of the, the drivers that race more for Ferrari, is like uh, 
I never thought it was going to happen. So, and also the the possibilities to, I mean the the dream to win races at home two times, fight for the championship, but also like build uh, my name like that. Uh, I think it was like uh, completely out of the picture, you know. What's the pizza story? It was not a pizza story. It was um, I had a manager uh, at the beginning of my career, and uh, he was he had a restaurant, and uh, he had a good relationship with like some Formula One teams. So when um, I think I was maybe 15 or 16, 16 I think. He was doing all, all of the buying foods for Benetton race. So he was delivering all the foods to Benetton race. And uh, I asked him, I mean, uh, my dream is to be there, you know, to for the first time to see a, a team, a Formula One team, the cars, you know, like, uh, so can you find me a pass? He said, yeah, I find you a pass until Friday, not Saturday, not Sunday, until Friday. And, uh, but he, the only... But you need to deliver the food. So I said, okay, no problem, deliver the food. So then I, I delivered. I was, you know, going every day, like from Tuesday to Friday to the, to the track, bringing the food, bananas, you know, uh, pasta and, uh, uh, and everything. So from the, from the supermarket and also from his restaurant. So at the end, that's what I did. And uh, I met some, some people there. And it was really funny because I met a guy that he was the, the chef of the Benetton team and his name is an Italian guy uh, his name is Felice and uh, he was the the chef you know of the team and uh, and then I told him uh, I, I became like friend you know because I was all the time with him bringing the food and I said ah one day I want to be in Formula 1 I am a, a Formula Chevrolet driver he said ah okay 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 and then after 3 4 years you know I, I had my first Formula 1 test uh, with Sauber and he was a Ferrari chef. So I came to him and I said, remember me? He said, yeah, but I don't remember where. I said, remember the guy that was bringing the food in the, in, in the, in the track in Interlagos? He said, no, it's you. I said, yeah, it was, it's me. And then after I moved to Ferrari a few years after and he was my chef all the time. I was in Ferrari, so that's a really nice story. Beautiful. Okay, your nation has produced three great world champions. Your first meeting with the last Brazilian world champion was not very pleasant. Can we get some details? Yeah, I think I was not lucky. You know, I was maybe seven years old or eight years old, maybe even less, maybe six years old. And um, I was in the big f- f- Senna fan, you know, and, uh, and we were in the yacht club in, in the beachside in Brazil. and. Uh, and I was having dinner with my parents, some friends as well. And uh, then the, the waiter came and said, ah, Ayrton Senna is arriving with the boat there. Oh, really? Ayrton Senna? Yeah, Ayrton Senna. And then uh, me and another two kids, so we went there in front of the boat with the paper, uh, with the pen, to ask an autograph, a picture, and uh, he didn't want to give. Maybe he, he was there with, with a girl, so maybe we weren't lucky. He didn't want to show the girl. I don't know exactly. But I was really disappointed, you know, because, I mean, I, you know, the only chance that, that I had, you know, to ask his autograph and I couldn't have, as a kid, it was, um, it was so, yeah, it was not good. It was so bad, you know, for such a hero uh, like, like him, you know. Okay, your first Formula 1 victory was a Turkish delight in Istanbul, and you also won on home track in Sao Paulo. Of all your Grand Prix wins, which one is the most important to you? 
Well, first victory is always, I mean, the first time, you know, you achieve that dream. So it was definitely amazing moment, amazing situation. But nothing compares to the to the victory at home. Nothing really is is like that. Maybe not even winning the championship is like that. So it was like the most incredible moment, you know, a dream that I had in my life. Racing, you know, at home for the first time with Ferrari, you know, winning the race. It was like just an amazing feeling. So, And I managed to have uh, this triple position also in 2007. And I didn't win in 2007 because I gave the, the victory to Kimi Raikkonen. And 2008, winning as, as well, starting on pole, but also fighting for the championship, you know. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was uh, just an amazing feeling. I watched that race in 2008, incredible intensity in the pits, a video of your family and Lewis's family, uh, and you had a special shell suit, I believe, uh, green and yellow. In no, Brazil. that was 2006. 2006, okay. Yeah. And you won the race and you lost the championship, but you were so graceful in the interview. Uh, it had to hit you uh, sooner or later that you lost the championship. How long it took for that to sink in? Well, actually... Is um, I won the race, so I did the best I could, you know. So I couldn't do be- better than what I did. So I think that was the best uh, help I had in my mind. That I mean, I did the best I could, you know. So if that uh, situation happens in the last lap, in the last corner, behind, there's not nothing I could do. So at the end, uh, that was the most uh, powerful, you know, feeling that I had. So. But then, I mean, what was really sad it was uh, what's happened in Singapore because Singapore, took, you know, changed the the the, the winner of that championship, and um, yeah. So especially after 15 years after, we saw Bernie Eccleston saying that uh, they knew in 2008 they didn't want to do anything not to to destroy the name the the name of, of Formula One. So then. It, it changed my opinion and uh, I started to fight because that's not fair. Now, speaking of 2000 Singapore, I once read a story. Tell me if this was correct. It said that after some months after that, you and El Senior were going to an event in Italy in a car and you asked him, uh, did you do that on purpose? And he said, no. Is that correct story? Yeah. That's, that's correct. But that, that was already 2009. That was, was already the year after, you know. So, yeah, that's correct. I asked him and then I asked also Briatore. Uh, on the similar time, on the maybe April or May, something like that, and uh, he was also saying no, laughing. But I didn't, I didn't trust both of them. Yeah, it's correct. Okay, uh, you were teammates to uh, Schumacher, uh, Schumacher and Alonso. What did they have in common, where, and where did they differ as racing drivers? Both of them is like uh, amazing drivers, like the top of the top, like um, the best. I mean, I could have next to me in my career in terms of driver in terms of talent in terms of uh, the way they drive the car the way they understand uh, the car the feeling they have so uh, for sure um, I had a better time with with Schumacher because I mean he was my like teacher you know so I wanted to learn everything for him so he was looking to me in a different way Alonso was a a lot more difficult because I mean we were fighting each other and uh, and uh, also, he's, he used a lot, I mean, his political way to, put, to bring everything to him, which I think really was not a great thing because the, the team separate a bit in the middle. And, uh, and it was not, not also a great moment for Ferrari as well. I mean, Ferrari was, from that moment, you know, it started, was going down and never came up until now.
so at the end it was uh, yeah uh, my the, the the working the relationship and everything with Michael was different thank you so much Felipe thanks for joining f1weekly.com NAS yes sir and now to the race itself Daytona 24 hours after 55 years team Penske wins again this time with Porsche and last time it was with Lola and his his main man that really started the Penske winning tradition, Mark Donahue. Winning drivers this year were Felipe Nasser, Joseph Newgarden, Matt Campbell, and Dean Cameron. And we will have an in- a joint interview with Felipe Nasser and Joseph Newgarden on next week's podcast, so please tune in. In a close finish, they held off the Cadillac of Tom Blomquist, son of Stig Blomquist, Jack Aitken, and Brazilian people Derani. Third was the Acura of Jordan Taylor, Louis Deletra, son of Jean-Denis Deletras, and Colton Herta, and of course, JB, as in Jensen Button of Braun GP Championship fame. So coming on the podium in your debut is very impressive, and winning on debut for uh, New Garden is also very good. And Mr. Rogers, there were four Porsches in the top six. They did not look very quick in qualifying, but... You know, it's the race that counts. So the weekend was Alice Gut for men from Stuttgart. Felipe Massa was 11th overall and third in LMP2 class. Did you watch a lot of the race, sir? I did. It was on television, so I put it on as much as I could. But unfortunately, college basketball and other things interrupted it. But I did what I could. Man, I'm going to tell you, I was leaving the track on Saturday night. And, you know, there is the infield section you walk through to get to the parking lot. And, man, these cars, especially the GTP cars, when they get off the banking part and come into the infield section, these headlights, bright headlights coming at you at full blast, that's very, very impressive. I know a lot of people stay overnight. I'm just too old to do that. But one of these days, just for the heck of it, I'm going to do what some people do, sleep in the car, get up at 2, check it out at 4. And I am told, somebody told me many years ago, if there's anything you have to see, you have to see the Mulsan during sunrise. And they're saying the same thing at uh, Daytona. So, you know, there'll be other times, hopefully. Okay, sir, Monte Carlo Rally. Hyundai beat Toyota in the opening round of the WRC, the Monte Carlo Rally. Winning driver was Belgian Thierry Neuville. Sebastian Ogier, your fellow Francais, was second in his Toyota Yaris, ahead of his British teammate Elvin Evans. Round two is Rally Sweden in mid-February. Now we come to Formula E. They were racing in the new love child of FIA, Saudi Arabia. It was a double-header in the Ria Epri. Race one was won by Jake Dennis. He drives for Michael Andretti's Formula E team. Race 2 was won by Mitch Evans from New Zealand, and he drives a Jaguar. Okay, now this is interesting. Roger Penske's son, Jay, also has a team in this series. His driver, Stoffel Van Dorn, was fifth. The next race was going to be in India, but that has been cancelled due to some political issues there. So the next round will now be in Sao Paulo in mid-March. And sir... As if we don't have enough American involvement in Formula 1, I'm very pleased to say. Now we have more American involvement in Formula 2, previously known as Hapidos. Lucas Oil has come from nowhere to be a major name in American motorsports. They also have a Lucas Racing School 
and series. And one of the instructors there is uh, Federico Montoya, brother of uh, JPM. Now Lucas Oil are entering Formula 2 championship with Dams, team now owned by XF1 racer Shark Peak. It will now be called Dams Lucas Oil, which is good. Lucas Oil is a family-owned business started only in 1989 by Forrest Lucas. Sir, what say you? Do you think they will put an American driver because they're American companies? See or no? It's possible. That's always the thought behind it and the hopes. But most of the time, you just want to win, baby. So, interesting, though. I, I'm really happy. And, you know, let me bring up the um, the legal battle that Laguna Seca has always been part of. And that's the surrounding rich people suing Laguna Seca, and it's all about decibels at a racetrack. Too many decibels. They want everybody to turn it down. I can't believe that Formula E has not arrived at Laguna Seca. They would be welcomed by the Homeowners Association. Yes, very true, very true. Okay, sir, we come to a musical mondial, and we go from Lucas Oil to Luke Delay. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy Brian Ferry. Thank you. Good night. Yeah. 